Welcome to Build an Iconic Life Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Whitehead, and this podcast is dedicated to help you build a life with zero regrets by focusing on how you have everything you need to stand up, stand out, and live life on your terms. Let's dive right in. Hey everybody, Chris Whitehead here with Serge Berger from The Steady Trader, and uh, we are excited to have you here on the uh, Build an Iconic Life podcast. Uh, you're uh, actually right now in your other home in Switzerland. Do you want to tell people um, how you migrate from Florida to Switzerland and what that's all about, man? <laughs> well, it's great to be on, Chris. I really appreciate the time. And, and uh, you know, I think um, one of the things that uh, that is always important for us to have is feel at home somewhere for me it's kind of weird i mean it to me it's normal so it's not that it for other people it might be a bit weird but I, I grew up was born here in switzerland and grew up in west palm beach in florida so i've done that whole thing my whole life at some point i had to figure out how to build it like you know, once school's done you got to figure out how, how do you make a life out of that right so and that was not hard that was actually actually that was very hard because so i figured okay what could i do i want i was trying to play golf professionally i was playing for my school and then I quickly figured out that's a tough way to make money because you have to be in the top 100 and that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But then I figured what else is very global? So I started going into investment banking. I started working at JP Morgan. And that took me to one place. But then that still was difficult to kind of live in both places at the same time. So ultimately I had to put up my own shingle, you know? <laughs> yeah, I get it. So t tell everybody a little bit about your backstory. Like, um, so you, you get out of college, you're working in New York. JP Morgan. I mean, that's a pretty prestigious place to come out of school and start working. You're not a dumb cookie for sure. Uh, but <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's that's that depends who you ask, right? But um, <laughs> but basically, what happened is, and and this actually is, you know, I love the 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 flame of foil and what it represents in your in your in your brand and that video behind you. Thanks. Um, but. What uh, happened to me is I graduated college in December of 2000 and uh, in 2000. Okay. And um, I don't know if you remember what happened in 2021, but we had stock market, the dot-com bubble burst. Mm -hmm. So I had all, I had a multiple offers. I think Jay, uh, Piper Jaffrey and Credit Suisse, a couple of the private bank, uh, the investment banks in New York. But then the market crashed in April. March, April of 21, uh, 2001, and they, they, had, they all took back their offers. So that sucked. So I ended up having to go work, having to go, is a, it, it actually ended up being a blessing for Bloomberg. And, okay. um, and then only then after two years later, I then ended up going to JP Morgan. Um, and then, yeah, I just ran, kind of did the thing there. And at some point they wanted me to go to Switzerland, which was where I was born. And so then, you know. What were, when, what were you doing for the bank? Mm -hmm. I was I was in the fixed income department. I was doing investment banking there. So we were. Um, have you ever seen the Big Short? That video, yeah. that movie. Yeah. So like that, like we were, you know, building and selling uh, these credit default swaps and um, and collateral asset obligations. Uh, all that, like that, literally, like when I was watching that movie, it was a bit eerie because I was literally that guy, you know. And then you kind of saw how that all unfolded. And it teaches you a lot about. You know the, how the investment banks work good and bad you know yeah, good bad and the ugly <laughs> um and so uh you know i i think very much like you it, it just ultimately dawned on me that there might be a better way to help people whether that's directly in the investment and management side or, or through education you know how did how did that trans transition happen for you well what happened is i in this is a true story so i in two in 2007 in the summer, it was, I had just come back from vacation in Turkey. It must've been like mid July. We got a phone call uh, from our managing director. I was working in Zurich at the time in Switzerland. And we got a phone at JP Morgan, got a phone call from our managing director in who was based in London. And he says, guys, uh, we need to sell this, um, this uh, CDO. It's a collateralized public application. It's basically debt. Uh, the, the movie uh, talks about it as crap wrapped in crap. If you watched the yeah. movie. And so with that, we had to sell one of those. And he, and he goes, listen, and I, we will literally pay you a million dollars bonus in cash. 
Like if you, the minute you sell that, like now, not when balloons appeared out in December, January, like now. And so, you know, I was young. I was like, oh, that's amazing. So I went to the weekend and then I thought about it. I was like, you know what? That doesn't sound right. <laughs> and, and, um, but I was still young. I figured, Hey, what the hell, you know, let's just try it. So I, I, I was managing the relationships for a bunch of really big uh, reinsurance companies and asset managers like a Swiss Re, which is the second largest world insurance reinsurance insurance company in the world. And so um, I figured, what the hell, let's just try to sell this thing. And so I, I had everyone flying from research in New York and all. Every, I mean, literally, it was ridiculous. And I was only like 26 or 27. And so we got it all together and had multiple meetings. And I mean, I got, Chris, we got this close to selling this. That was like, I could smell the money already. It was already <laughs> pre-spending a little bit. And of course, you know, it didn't happen because of one guy saw through it. And, um, and in the end, you know, it, it became very clear to me that we were just trying to unload our book of uh of of bad loans and things um and then i i actually ended up quitting by october of or late it was 2010 something like that anyway i ended up quitting because i just saw that you know what this is not sustainable what's going on here and actually the whole fixed thing in apartment got got canned <laughs> within months after that's so also the right call but I and then i moved back to new york permanently and and um and just started uh essentially just you know, do advisory, like uh, take my own thoughts and help people with investing money. I was working for a family office and managing their money as well. So, you know, baby steps are hopefully helping, hopefully giving people more clarity about the markets, you know. And I'm, and I'm assuming like um, around 2010, 2011, social media is starting to become a thing. You're, you're the kind of guy, and we talked about this a couple minutes ago, you're the kind of guy that's always probably looking at least a couple steps ahead because of what you do with investing. Um, and now, I mean, you have e-courses, you have online training, uh, you have live events. Did you start to see in around 2010, 2011, this slight surge that was happening online? And did you start to kind of capitalize on, or at least think about how you were going to create awareness for what you were doing at that time? Yeah. Uh, so what happened is while I was working at JP Morgan, I was writing this morning note that when you're at a, when you're at an investment bank and you manage relationships, what happens is like the, all the research departments around the world, they send you their research. And then, <laughs> and, um, the problem was that some of the research was, was, as you can imagine, very boring. And so what I tried to do is I tried to put it into sort of a, you know, a, a more sort of a fun spin on it. And okay. so it was, I, um, I, I really enjoyed that. So it kind of sounded funny, but of course it was very serious and um about a year and a half into that on the bloomberg uh, terminal you can do message four you can see how who opens your email and i noticed that like 85 percent of people were opening this email and these are like all like huge chief investment officers of huge yeah that's not banks. normal it wasn't normal and i was like that's weird so even though they didn't tell me because they probably were you know they had too much it's, a, it's an ego game it's a one big sure, sure. show with these investment banks and anyway, I was like, you know what, that that's pretty cool. So then I started doing that same thing when I finally quit. And, and, I, and then you're right, then that whole thing started with the social media. So 85% of these people that don't normally open emails yeah. at all, they probably have people open it for them, but 85% of the company is starting to open up these emails. And so this is telling you like, yeah. uh-oh, I'm onto something. Yeah, and it was just, it was just funny because I think I noticed uh, I just noticed that there was a, a a real thirst for being able to read what's important today or this week or you know and through through a lot of really smart input, but reading it in in something that's readable and not bone dry sure. coming from some guy that just got three PhDs and you know can't approach yeah. other people in person. So that was kind of my thing, and um, and yeah, then I started uh, just moving on, started doing interviews on TV and this and that and everywhere, and you know it just started. Uh, building a following and you know then you get more break, lucky breaks you know yeah and yeah. you know i mean you know how it works right you, i think yes i do done Been a very 25 years <laughs> great job exactly fantastic job from what i can see so thanks man just staying at it you know like that like that love that flame keeps burning you know you got to keep stoking the fire as you say well here's here's where the rubber meets the road for me um you're really helping people to live an abundant lifestyle. You're giving people the keys to start to invest, right? You're giving them the opportunity to trade money for money. 
instead of time for money, overtime. Um, there, are, there are a lot of people out there that talk about it, but there are not a lot of people out there that have made a life doing it and creating success for other people in that process. Talk, how long have you been actually teaching people your process and what kind of results are you getting people? So I think I've been teaching this, doing the teaching part, the education. It's really more, I really look at it more as research and education, you know, because it's really through the lens of research. You then, you know, then you, you do webinars. Make your day. own. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And then, and just so you know, just full disclosure, we also have an investment advisory firm where we actually manage people's money and do advisory. So there's the, the, the way this industry works is that you have the research stuff. Uh, or, or education and or education, it that's falls under the publishing exemption because you're not giving someone advice, right? Sure. So if you're subscribing, I'm not telling you, Chris, that you should do that because I don't know you. It's like a newspaper, <laughs> right? It's like a newspaper yeah. article. Whereas at Blue Marlin Advisors, which is our investment advisory firm, that's where we we're registered investment advisors. We manage people's money and we call them and say, hey, Chris, today this is good. We think you could do that much and this blah blah. You know, that's a very more uh, that's regulated onto the to the underwear, you know, which it should be. <laughs> Yes. Um, it really needs to be. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of clowns out there in this business. And the, the you know, you talk about social media before, and I think it all peaked just as COVID peaked, you know, the, mm -hmm. the just complete lunacy of of people out there pretending like they can sit down by a pool, you know, and trade cryptocurrencies or whatever. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. It's it this is a very difficult game. I mean, it's actually not a game, it's very serious because it's about your money, you know. And so I, I I just try to get people to the point initially where they start to realize they need a process. And so I'm sure you've seen it. You know, someone has a, you know, some sort of a service like this and they draw a couple of lines in a chart and they call for breakouts and all sorts of voodoo. Yeah. And that's nice to know, right? The problem is it all has to do with the economic cycle. If you don't know where you're in the economic cycle and you don't have all that information, which no one wants to learn because it's boring, it's much better to, you know, open your phone, open your, open your Robinhood account and you get some confetti flying if you buy something. It's ridiculous. You shouldn't <laughs> even be allowed to be honest with you, you know? So, but once people understand that there's a process to it, you know, the first point is to get them to understand that and then just stop losing money, stop making ridiculous things, you know, because they might be serious about what they want to do, when then they buy a stock right before earnings and hopes it goes up, but they have a 40% chance of making money if that happens. Like that's the, it, it's just ridiculous. So we try to get people to a point where you just stop blowing up their money. That's like the first goal, you know, and then you start, you know, once they graduate to through all the education and they, they start realizing that, you know what, that that's nice to get the education and the research, but really I kind of need someone to like talk to personally. And actually someone probably needs to manage my money, at least 80% of it. You know, then we start getting to the point where you really probably should have us manage your money and you play with the 20% that you want to play with, right? Because managing money is tough, man. I mean, I, I more or less work 15 hours a day and I don't know how someone, you know, at 60 years old wanting to play golf half the day has, there's no fighting chance. Like this pen has a better chance at winning that yeah. game than he ever, he or she ever will. It just, just no Is that chance. because you're constantly staying on top of the trends of what's going on because it's volatile and things move faster now than they ever have, right? They move quickly. Things move quickly. Um, it's just the information source that a lot of people have is not good enough. You know, so like if we really tried, like I'm going to say half of what, of, of what, what our clients, whether it's on the research side or on the investment advisory side get is really, you know, the know-how from my network that I've built over the past 25 years of doing this business. So, you know, when I get up in the morning or even until just before I go to bed, you know, it's basically conversations and inputs from, from very smart people that have been made fortunate to, 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 to work throughout my career and continue to meet from hedge fund guys to private uh, family office guys to whatever, right? Just smart people isn't anyone. And I, and I think, you know, that is very difficult for the average person who is now 50 years old, wants to retire 60 or, or any age, you know, 30 years sure. old. And, and, you know, you can't really get across that and you can't really buy that access either. I, I don't think, I think that requires more, you know, so we try to give all that information through the lens of, of our services. I mean, for me, um, I, maybe I'm not the average dude, but, um, you know, I've had the opportunity to play with people at very, very, very high levels. And what became exciting is talking to people that are highly successful, just like you, right? Hint, hint, run a podcast every 
everybody. But um, having the opportunity to talk to somebody and realizing that they have knowledge that I don't, I can synthesize that knowledge by asking appropriate questions, which funnel down an answer of, you might have spent 400 hours to learn something. And in four minutes, you can give me what's important. And what's interesting about that is if I have goals attached to the questions that I'm asking, which by the way, I do with everything that I do, it's just how I'm made. Um, I am now leveraging your time. Maybe I'm going to invest some money with you. Maybe I'm going to, you know, own a $30,000 podcast room so that I can, you know, impress people and they want to get on and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. But I get to have conversations with really intelligent people so that I can see further, climb higher and see further. And you're actually offering that service and you actually are a professional at what you do. It's not that you're just, so there's so many people out here that host events, that do things, that sell information. And you find that they don't even use the information that they're selling because they just learned how to do it themselves and they're immediately pawning it off. You're a professional. You, this is a career for you. You're 15 hours a day invested. Look, um, we own multiple companies. I, I probably work 40 hours a week maximum, but that's not true. I'm probably working from the moment I get up until about, well, actually that's not true. Probably two hours before I get up because my unconscious mind starts having these weird things that fire off. And then right before I go to bed, I'm looking at Robin and I'm blah, 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 and I'm out. <laughs> and, and that's, that's my whole life. And not everybody wants to do that. And that's fine. No. But for me, and I, I think I relate to you. I love having these conversations with people that know more than me, because what I find is they sift through the BS and they talk about what's relevant and it's like having an advisory board of some of the best people on earth to just understand what's actually going on. And as a business owner, I'm going to tell you, for 20 years, I didn't do that. And I was always on the back end of a wave. So, you know, if there's a nice little sign curve, yeah. I, my, I was always here. By the time I learned about it, we had already gone over the yeah. top. And I think it's brand new. And then I make the investment, whether it's flipping homes or starting a new company, whatever, to only see the bottom wash out. Yep. And, and I know this for, for truth too. I read quite a few economic books trying to get there. And you're right. I've, I woke up in my plate a couple of times reading the book. It's not fun to read. No. Um, so you bring a personality to this thing because you're a human being. You enjoy communicating with people and you make it relevant information. All with, And hey, full disclosure, everybody. Serge wants to make money too. So not only does he educate you, but then he says, maybe we can earn your business because you think the information we're giving you is relevant. Not bad, not bad model, man. Hey, look, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like like you're saying before, which I honestly think it's one of the most relevant points. There are so many people who don't know what they're talking, and this is not this is not about them being bad people. It's just right. they don't know what they're talking about. So, um, the the advice you're going to get from someone like that, you know, and it's and it's some things it's difficult to disguise. Like for example. You know, if you take a ski lesson from a guy that's not a ski or a girl, that becomes pretty clear because, like, if they fall before you, that kind of thing. Yeah. But in some other things, that's not so easily disguised. That's that's uh, that's not that's not more easily disguised. And so, yeah. particularly with the internet and whatever AI, who knows what else we got going on here. So, um. At the end of the day, I think you just have to be authentic, you know, and I think that's very much from what I'm seeing from you as well. Like if you can't be authentic, it's very difficult to to do anything, you know, and, and people won't believe you. So you can't really build a business or a following for that matter. I, I don't, you know, I, I grew up in a time, I'm a little bit older than you, but I grew up in a time where, you know, my dad gave me one really, really good lesson. He said, keep your name out of the courts, right, as I was growing up. Now, I have had a lot of employees, and I do realize what happens once people get into the court system. Like, it's a big funnel, and most people don't get out of it once it goes. And what I'm getting at is, you know, I own brick-and-mortar businesses. I own online businesses. Um, there is never a better way to absolutely make everything topple than to lie to people or take a risk on people. Or, and, and, because if I mess up in one, it'll show up in the other, and then everything falls down. It's, a, it's amazing to me, and it's not amazing. We've made it simple for people to go out there to experiment on other people because of this thing called social media. It's easier to connect than ever before. Yeah. And part of the goal is, is to actually just highlight people. That it, it's one of the things that Joe Rogan does. I mean, whether people like him or not, he brings some of the smartest people around to have conversations, contrarian or not. So that people can see the difference between people that are trying to do something versus people that 
um, have been in the trenches doing the thing and are continuing to grow through that process, you're, you're definitely one of those people. Um, let, let me ask you this. When you host an event, how many people typically are you bringing to your events? Are they small or big? So what's been happening on the event, like the physical event side, like mostly our stuff's online just because, you know, everyone's yeah. all over the place. Yeah. Um, but the physical events, like we just did one in Orlando last week, actually mm -hmm. literally one week ago. And typically what we tend to see is we try to keep it to like within 30 people just because it's we want to focus. It's been really difficult to get more than 20 people into a room because they just don't want to travel anymore. So we had like yep. 100 people online as well join. So, but it's targeted, right? You and these are paid for events, so people, you know, yep. we, and you do that because you want to focus on the people that are willing to learn. You know, yep. so many people like anything, and it doesn't matter, you know, how many when you go, you look like you go to the gym, right? So, yep. let's say let's say you go to the gym on any given day. Percentage-wise, what do you think? How many people are actually in shape? Let's say you go at six o'clock or eight, whatever time you go to the gym. When you're in in the gym, assuming you go to a physical gym, less than ten, less than ten percent. Exactly, and that's because the rest of the other people are not willing to put in that. In fact, there's another statistic. Um, only, uh, only, um, only thirty or forty percent of gym memberships actually get used. Yeah, so so that's what's great about that EFT model. They collect the nine dollars or twenty dollars a month, and and you wonder how they can have six thousand members. It's because only six hundred probably show up. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> so anyway, you were saying, um, so you know, a very small percentage of people go to the gym. Mm -hmm. You remember what you were going to say after that? Yeah, I was just going to say. I think very few people are willing to put in the work for anything. So when we look at our average client base uh, on the study trader side, which is the educational and research piece where, you know, we have anything from our proprietary software to, as you say, courses and anything that, and trade alerts and investment alerts and everything and portfolio, portfolio solutions, we see that most people are not willing to put in the work. You know, most people fall into the camp. Well, I'm going to do this part-time, but part-time money management. You gotta be kidding me, right? That sounds scary. That's not, it's, it's it's ridiculous, you know. So what they really want is they want to trade a little bit of their money, 10-20% of their money, but but they don't really do, but they're not consciously aware of that, right? They think they think I could do it with all my money or even if, or or 60%. Then you can't. They cannot do that. They will never, they will fail miserably. They will blow up those 20% and then much more way before they even get to to, to get a chance to do it seriously. So that's why I keep saying people, they need a serious investment advisor. That's why I have Blue Marlin Advisors where we actually manage their money and then we advise them on the rest of the money or, and have conversations with them actively. Because they, a lot of these guys have one thing in common, they are interested in the markets, but they don't, they don't understand how difficult it is and how much, how much information uh, they need to learn and, and how much they have to stay on top of it to make money. And it's not because we're trading in and out of the market all day long, we're not. But it's because there is so much stuff to consider. And, um, and I think that's just with anything. And also when you talk about physical events, you know, the people that are very serious come to a physical event, you know, um, the other people get a $7 freebie and think they can make money from that. They won't. I know. So for us, and you know, we're, we're coming up on a time here in the U S again, where I'm seeing people do this. So our last event, you know, we, we had an event around 50 people. Um, and the last event we had had 20. And, um, and, and that's when I cut it off for a little bit. We're going to start doing things locally. But yep. when COVID hit, um, I kept flying. I kept going to my mastermind. It was in Dallas. Yep. And uh, that was when everybody else was kind of sitting back and, and putting on the brakes or at least letting off the gas. I mashed it all the way to the mm -hmm. floor because what I realized is uh, Warren Buffett said it, like just watch the masses and do the opposite. And what happened to me is we grew – um, in two years better than I did in 20 because when the parachute got released and we were all able to go again, I'd already set myself up for success. And as an example with that, like, have you ever heard of 75 hard? No. Uh, so 70, it rings a bell to tell me what is it? So 75 hard um, is a 75 day challenge. Um, you have to drink a gallon of water a day. You have to do okay. two workouts. One of them has to be outside. You cannot drink any alcohol or have any cheat meals. You have to read at least 10 pages of a personal or professional development book, and you have to take a selfie. 
if on day 74 you forget to do any one of those things you start back over at day one so it's not as much a physical challenge as it is a mindset challenge and the reason that i say that is this fourth time i've done it um i started november 1st this year so my birthday was october 30th and i said i'm going to start november 1st i'm going to go through and buy i'm in new hampshire it gets very cold here and then there are holidays and everybody's drinking and everybody's eating and everything. Yeah. So I'm actually doing the hard thing at the hardest time to do it for me personally, yeah. because I know that I'm doubling and tripling, quadrupling the result that I'm going to get from it by not letting me put the extra 10 or 15 pounds on or get kind of lazy um, during the winter time when there's less to do. Yeah. And, um, and that's, that's, that's what I, teach especially business owners to do like we have to face the hard things so that we can live a little bit easier and it just so happens that only maybe 10 percent of the people do that Pareto's law says 80 20. i literally think the truth is is that there's 10 at the top 80 in the middle and 10 at the bottom that's how i really look at that particular curve and just like you i'm looking for the 10 that already want to i'm not trying to convince people to do it i'm looking for people that are sick and tired of being sick and tired and they're ready to start growing and winning do you find when you do this chris do you find that you're you're the beep the the 10 percent, or again maybe it's 15 20 even if you really stretch it do you find that the those people tend to be ones that have maybe gotten their teeth kicked in a bit before, <laughs> like they've realized something. So same thing. The answer is the simple answer is yes. But the same thing in my remodeling company, we're not the cheapest remodeler in New Hampshire. We're probably in the top four most expensive in New Hampshire. But once you have had the taste of a really bad contractor, mm-hmm. that $15,000 bathroom, that sounds like a dream. Yeah. It doesn't seem much like a dream when I tell you it's going to cost you 35 to 40 to do the exact same thing because they understand the the experience that they're having going through the process. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm not here for the brand new person who wants the $7 course. I'm here for the person that has stayed the course mm-hmm. and they're like, dude, I've tried everything that I can. And Iconic not only teaches people, you know, how to generate leads and social media and all the things, I mean, even podcasting and being on stage, I mean, that's part of what I teach people. Um, More importantly, we're teaching people how to move there more quickly through their mindset, because usually it's the questions, not the answers are everywhere now. It's asking the right questions that is the right query that makes the right answer come up. And even in AI, depending on the question that you ask, you can get a very, very different response. And the more specific you are, the more, the more that question, the more that answer tends to uh, become what you thought it was going to be to begin with. Yeah, very true. Very true. Fantastic. We were talking about AI a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. And you were sharing some things that I think maybe some of the technologically advanced people on here are, are aware of, but the rest of us might not be. You, you think something's coming, but you also think that there is some mitigation that's going to have to take place because of that. To, to talk, talk about what you're seeing coming with AI. Yeah, I mean, what, uh, what I mentioned to you before is I think what we might start to see in the coming months, we've got an election coming up next year. Um, we're going to start to see more of the AI and video be available to you and I. So uh, there'll be AI that will basically be able to make a video of you and I, even a podcast, um, and it won't be us. It'll be AI doing it right now for you and I, that's great. You know, we can go play golf or whatever we want to do or ski or snowboard. Um, but means other people can do it too. Yeah. And so that could interfere in elections. Uh, we don't know who know what, who know, you know, we don't know who's saying what anymore. So the importance of the paywall, right? The Chris Whitehead brand, the iconic brand, you know, becomes all the more important because you won't be able to trust anything anymore. You go on Twitter and it'll be, you know, 50 Chris Whitehead videos. None of them are you, you know, except the one that's actually your Twitter feed or assuming you have one or, or is behind your paywall. So I think that sort of, and that speaks, by the way, that that speaks to identification. That speaks to blockchain, for example. This is not a, this is not a Bitcoin comment. This is a blockchain comment, right? Mm-hmm. So that is very powerful. On, on that, though, and this is a touch of a tangent, but I think it's important. As an investor, what we're always trying to do is try to figure out what's the disconnect between, let's say, a new technological breakthrough 
and the time when that actually starts impacting profitability in a company. So you take right now AI, right? So we had uh, May come uh, this past May 23, uh, Nvidia blew out their numbers and the stock goes bananas and you know companies are mentioning AI 200 times in their conference calls just to you know have other algorithms buy their stock because they mentioned AI. Um, there's a diff big disconnect though between a company saying I'm doing AI and when that actually impacts profitability and margins and top line or you know the whole thing. And so I think a lot of times that we saw that during the dot-com bubble where, yeah. you know, you had um, pets.com, the original pets.com with the, with the sock puppet, you know, they were losing money hand over fist. Ultimately that was a very profitable business. Ultimately a decade later, the hype came, but it took 10 years or plus to really 20 years, probably almost to really come to reality. And I think that's something we need to keep in mind. So same thing with AI, right? I mean, there's a lot of great stuff and I use some of it and I'm sure you do too. But from a company perspective, the profitability will might be diff more difficult to measure immediately. That's going to take some time. So that's always a disconnect between the chart chaser, right? So the $7 newsletter guy, you know, the tire yeah. kicker who thinks he's going to get that for free. He's going to chart chase that breakout that someone's talking about by drawing a line on a chart, you know, but then you go a bit deeper and that experience that you get over 20 years doing this will tell you that's probably not the best idea. You know, or at least tell you how to risk manage it. Whereas the other guy's going to disappear after he gets a seven dollars. You know. <laughs> anyway, that that again goes to the paywall, right? Yes, and and I think it's really brilliant. Um, and I think it's important for people to really pay attention to this. Um, you know, my parents are getting a little bit older. My mom often calls me. She's listening to alternative media now, so anywhere she can. Man, when when I this was gosh, 2002, 2003, we had one of those big satellite dishes in Southern Virginia. Yep. And I was watching news from Europe. I was watching news from the Middle East. I was, and I'm telling you the story that is told there is not the same story that is told here. And then I see 20 years later come and everybody is aghast. Oh my gosh, there's propaganda. There's been, that's all that has ever been ever in communication. And part of my goal is to number one, I connect with people like you. And then I start sharing that with people because I actually believe in what you're talking about. I believe that you are educating yourself. I believe that you are helping people because at the end of the day, I have this feeling of reciprocity in my heart as well as karma that, um, hey, I either stand for what's right or I stand for what's wrong. And I think deep down in most people, they stand for what's right, but they're getting caught up in sensationalization and headlines and the easy button. And what you and I are both telling people, there is no easy button. You are going to work. You were, or you're going to be plugged into the matrix. Those are the only two options that you <laughs> literally have. It's it. It's 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 either pedal to the metal or or not, you know. And then at some point it comes back and bite you. By the way, quickly on that point of of um, you know, uh, news from around the world and you know, different stories. Every it's obvious now we've got media, right? Um, yeah. Social media. But I tell you, you know, again having gone back and forth the con the two continents my whole life. It's always been like that, at least there were the, you know, yeah. since I'm now, you know, mid 40s. So I can tell you it's always been like that. It's like, for example, if you read the, um, you know, the, I'm going to say European media, and then, you know, Europe is a country with many different cultures. Sure. So I'm going to, let's take like a typical Western Europe, European sort of culture, which is different from Eastern European. Let's say a regular Western European culture, and it'll basically be like, you know, the Americans are a bunch of, you know, crazy gunslinging. Cowboys, yeah. uh, although, there, although there's plenty of admiration for the drive there, so to be fair, which of course isn't true. I mean, there's some of that, but that's not the base case. Then you read a U.S. media about Europe and they think they're a bunch of espresso, espresso or espresso drinking socialists. That's not yeah. really the case either, you know? Like, I mean, there's some <laughs> of that, but that's not like, you know, they don't just sit around drinking coffee, you know? No. Like, they, they work right. hard, you know? Not right. all of them, right? But then not every, you know, Virginian is a gun-wielding nutcase, you know? It's, it's, <laughs> it's the same thing. So there's it's just now becoming more obvious in the social, in the media, you know, because we have social media. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think the weirdest thing, um, the first time dad took me to Europe, I think I was 15 and I asked for, um, ice with my Coke and they gave me one ice cube. <laughs> yeah. I remember those days that's changed by the way, for the better. <laughs> as it, as yeah. it's good. But, but I, like, like you stated though, um, the one thing that I, that I learned was, um, in Europe anyway, there was an understated elegance to communication. 
Um, it had been around quite a bit longer. I think that has something to do with it. There are a lot more nuances to it. But people were very, everybody that I met was hustling, bustling, working, making life happen. Um, and, and, and there wasn't a two o'clock bell that went off in London where everybody sat down for tea. It's, it's not at all what I experienced. Same thing in Germany. Um, people are going for it. The one thing that I would say about older cultures in general, though, is they tend to take things in stride a little bit more than we do here um, in America. Um, they're not as reactionary. That's been my experience. I don't know yeah. if it's true. Do you, do you say that's true? Yeah, I think so. I mean, also, I mean, and I'm not a, you know, I'm, 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 I'm in Switzerland, which is very sure, different from neutral. Europe. It's like, yeah. and it's not even part of the EU. It's a very different thing. It's much more like the Swiss are much more American in many ways than a lot of the Europeans mm. are. But um, what you, what you'll find is, um, is that there is a, 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 the, the, the wars, particularly the second world war is something that a lot of people, not the younger generation, they don't remember, but you know, the baby boomers, that's still in their mind, you know, and they remember just having nothing, you know? And so I, again, that's not me. That's not, not, that didn't happen in Switzerland either as much, but, but that is one thing that I think keeps people, they save more money. For example, they don't spend it all the way. Like, for example, I was just in Florida for, uh, for the month and um, you know, you, people are spending like there's no tomorrow. Um, and they should those people that are spending, they shouldn't be spending, you know, they could yeah. save here. The equivalent of that would save like ridiculous amounts of money, you know, um, because there's just a different mindset. However, that also hinges, uh, growth, right? So you have that, the, you know, spend, the spending, you mean? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so, yeah, you, you know, yeah. you take your typical American, they'll spend till they can't spend anymore. Now, of course there's a, you know, the bottom quartile or third or whatever can't save like physically will not be able to save. Sure. i'm talking about the, i'm talking about the middle class ish where they yes. could save you know and then and that's a, a wide i say ish specifically because it's a wide range um they will spend until they don't you know they just physically can't anymore when you've normalized a six dollar cup of coffee on your way to work okay um you know uh, and by the way it's it's only 25 dollars for a hamburger in switzerland but um when you when you normalize a $6 cup of coffee on your way to work every morning, you have to start thinking about what are other uh, non-necessary or unnecessary um, commodities that you're constantly consuming that you don't know about. Um, you don't just have internet, which is $90 or $100 a month. You have to buy the 14 apps now, which cost the same as Comcast did. And do you actually That's right. That? <laughs> you know, I'm not sure many people have made that math yet, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 amazing to see the evolution of it or a cell phone. You know, I know people that will go without food so that they can have the latest update um, in, in connection. And the idea and yeah. this is just a fundamental idea is the difference between consumers and producers. And I realized a long time ago when I chose to be an entrepreneur that I my lifestyle was going to have to be a producer. Yeah. Um, it's no longer a consumer. And what I did is I went too far in one direction like I was not much fun and i wasn't having much fun outside of work and that's where i realized that we had to create some harmony and that's where we created pillars and all sorts of stuff that we teach people that but how i think you, you're absolutely hmm? how do you do that chris i mean that's one thing that i and i tell you like if we honestly i haven't i haven't figured that one out yet because i just with the markets they don't money never sleeps you know you've heard that before yeah um and um you know that's one thing i i mean i try hard to and i, I kind of succeed but you know i think you know, you don't, you shouldn't just work nonstop and never have any time to kind of enjoy it. How do you, how do you kind of bring that across to people? So, uh, you know, Serge, when, when I started at 24 years old, I always had employees from the very first day I began. Um, there were two people. And then very quickly after that, I had four and not that I was qualified, <laughs> but the idea was that I wanted to build something where I could make a little bit of money off of everyone's efforts, provide jobs, get leads. And I didn't know how to do any of that, by the way, didn't even know how to do the work. Sure. Um, I, um, I built one deck in my life and my dad had pretty much built it and I'd helped it. <laughs> um, and there was no internet. There was go buy a black and Decker book, um, from Lowe's and, and, you know, step-by-step -step build a deck and I could sure. do that. Um, but I think my mindset really started shifting when I realized I was getting older, I'm in the trades and I do love building stuff, but my, like, I'm getting tired and I'm not really making more money. I'm, I'm actually 
dealing with these monkeys going in and out all the time. Like it's like herding cats, you know, this yeah. guy's sick. He doesn't show up on Friday the day we're supposed to get paid. I can't pay y'all if he does all that stuff. And what I started realizing is that really everything was based upon my effort. Mm -hmm. If Chris didn't show up, we didn't make money. Mm -hmm. And that became a real issue for me yeah. because it, now I was more responsible for more people and, and I was getting paid last. And I had to figure out. And taking off. Everything. It's, it's like going to me. That's like going to a casino and gambling. Like I'm not going to win that. Eventually I'm going to, I'm going to bust. And so slowly but surely I started changing the mindset of becoming a self-employed person with employees to becoming a business owner. And what does that look like? Mm -hmm. And I had a lot to learn. I had a lot to learn about team building. I had a lot to learn about um, limited mindsets. I had a lot to learn about bringing people in that were smarter and better than me and not letting my ego and not being afraid that they would take it away. And, all. and by the way, I've had people try to do all those things as part of the learning curve. And over time, what I, and, and also by the experience, I mean, I'm, I'm on my second marriage, not my first. And the first lady that I was married to was, is a wonderful human. Um, and we did not break up because I worked too much or anything like that. Um, but what I realized coming into my second relationship, I had to start over in 2009. So 2009 to 2019 were a 10 years of, re, you know, ramp up again. And I realized with my second um, spouse, she was much more verbal about, hey, we have kids. Hey, you need to come home for dinner. Hey, you need to actually be involved and not talking on your phone all the time. Hey, this is your life. I don't know why you're doing what you're doing, but you're not actually living. Hey, we should go on vacation. Hey, I can't afford to go on vacation. That's not the point, Chris. We need to save and go on vacation because we're creating memories. And so there became this shift surge of me realizing that I was living a version of Chris, not Chris. Mm -hmm. And that's when I found out about faith, family, fitness, and finance. And there are these pillars. And then I added one to it, fun. But I realized that if you drew them out with like spokes on a wheel mm -hmm. and zero is at the, um, the nucleus of the spoke and 10 is at the outside and that's the best operationally best. If each one of those faith, family, fitness, finance, and fun, if I marked on there, what I felt a five on this one, a seven on this one, a two on this one, what does that wheel look like? And what I realized is the wheel would not roll. Yeah. And so I made complex things real simple. And I just said, can I push a little bit here? Can I add a little time here? So like I was saying about the 75 hard thing, the reason that I do it is not to torture myself. The reason that I do it is a mental reset and pushing me to go, what can I accomplish? Because it's usually against my own thinking that I make the greatest progress because it's out in the area that I don't know what I'm doing. And that's a constant entrepreneurial battle. And now that I have a lot more, a lot more assets, a lot more everything, it becomes riskier to take risk, but I cannot continue to grow if I don't take yeah. those risks. And that's how, that's how I've done it, man. Yeah. Um, and now we have kids that are, you know, 20 and 21 years old and I, I'm looking at them and now I'm thinking about a legacy. I'm thinking about what am I teaching them by my example, because now they're out there in the world. And by the way, they're the next group of leaders coming. Oh crap. I wasn't ready for that part yet. And so I realized that we have to show them, a reason to suffer because that's what hard work is in some ways it's denying self of one thing sacrificing one thing for the mm -hmm. betterment in the future like you were saying sometimes 10 or 20 years later is when that's going to be realized so the way that i put it for what i do is sometimes i plant a tree for me and i'm glad i did 20 years ago and that was the best time to plant it the next best time is right now so i just keep dropping those seeds because who knows i could be here as long as tomorrow or I could be here another 50 years and I want to make sure that if all it is is tomorrow that I've left something that's important for people more than just and not that money isn't important I think it makes the world go round, but something that is is something that can grow inside of that person so they can make their own way in this world yeah very interesting very interesting goes go, goes back to the point of 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 you got to work outside your comfort zone I'm a big believer in that you know, like right now we're in the process over at Blue Marlin of, of making some acquisitions and buying other investment advisors. And I got to tell you, man, like that makes me a little queasy doing M&A deals, but sure. I have to. And it's definitely outside of my comfort zone right now. But, you know, there's not a day that goes by that, you know, I try to take cold showers 
sucks too, but I try. Win Hoff method. Yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, I, I'm not gonna. I don't go all out to like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But hey, he man, takes it to other thing. levels. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't want icicles on my butt. That kind of thing. There's um, no way to not deep breathe while you're taking a cold shower. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That won't work, and it's not, it naturally happens, right? Um, yeah. The other thing that you mentioned, um, I think, is really, really interesting because, and this is this is a Tony Robbins thing, and and this is not about about him it's just that i'm telling you that's where i heard it and i think it's really yeah. true that people uh dramatically overestimate what they can accomplish in one year but dramatically underestimate what they can do in let's say 10. It's and true. when i heard that for the first time six seven eight years ago maybe more it may have been a decade now so it kind of works time wise i will i couldn't agree more yeah i agree too it's unbelievable what, what you can do. Here's what's weird. It's the ramp up. So it feels like nothing, 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 That's nothing. Right. And, and, and because you've stuck with it, That's right. it's all, it's almost like God just goes, here's, here's the prize. And you're like, That's right. exactly. not here yesterday. It was not here yesterday. And I, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, everybody. I just didn't quit. I just didn't quit. And that's, yeah. I think that's what Tony's talking about. Pick a path so. and yeah. see it through. Pick yeah. And you're building and all through. those, um, you know, you're building all those layers of, you know, assets and knowledge and community, whatever it is the business is, right? But it just takes a long time. And, um, you know, the same room wasn't built in a day and no, nothing gets built in a day. But that's another downfall of social media. And th I'm, this is not an, I'm not anti social media. I would say use it all day long. But I mean, <laughs> I think just people have the wrong impression, you know, of what it takes to work hard. And, you know, it, it's just, um, and just, it goes, you know, we see it, like I said before, around investing, you know, people just really think it's just a, as simple as opening up a Robin Hood account and putting a few thousand dollars in it. Like literally they think $2,000 and then it just, um, it's going to be amazing. It's not, you're going to blow up those 2000 bucks many more times before you get anywhere, you know, and they're just not willing to learn. And, 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 and I don't know if, I don't even know if that's a social, if that's a generational thing, it may be, I'm not, honestly don't really know. I, I think that's more research to do. It's, 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 I think it's the advent of social media that's making things a bit too easy. You know? I think, I think my, my, my honest opinion is I think we're just more aware because of social media. I think it always yeah. has been, we're just seeing it displayed mm -hmm. and you know what? God bless people. Do what you want to do. It's, it's fine with me. Uh, for me, I had a vision in my heart, 25, probably almost 50 years ago, since I'm 50, um, as of October 30th. But I had a vision in my heart of something that I wanted, and I have slowly but surely been building in that direction no matter what obstacle. And what I found, Serge, is that my self-image increases and my desire to want to give back increases. Mm -hmm. And as I step back and I look at it, I go, well, for me, that's important. And all I want to see in anyone, even if I disagree with you, it's okay. Have, are you willing to pick something and stand by it no matter the consequence? And if you don't stand by it, don't judge yourself, find something that you will, because that makes you a solid human. Don't be wishy-washy. Don't go to this rally and say this thing. And then I see you over here at this rally saying the opposite thing. Don't tell me how you're an expert at this business this month. And I turn on social media <laughs> next year and you're expert in enough. Like, how can you do that? It's taken yeah. me my entire life to even come close to being an expert at something. So um, th that's what I want to promote more in the world is, is, steady and that's funny the steady trader steady growth <laughs> over time wins the game and that's okay because it's not about the destination because the destination is we're all dead it's about the journey that we're on in the process and how we can can connect with people that help mm -hmm. us have a better journey yeah i i couldn't agree more and and you know again this goes back to the authenticity you know if you if you, if you can be real with people you know, people, people take notice. Um, not, some people are drawn to, to, you know, to weird things or uh, who am I to call it weird? Just not kind of, you know, but, um, yeah. you know, way on, on tail events kind of stuff, you know, if you think you sign yeah. curve with the tails, but, um, but I think, you know, authenticity helps a lot and, and, uh, you know, it, it's, I think that's what you're doing too. It's, it's, it's fantastic. I, I, Thank you. I appreciate it. And here's what I think AI is not going to be able to do very well. That it's not going to be able to be vulnerable. It's not going to be able to be authentic 
but unless your information is published somewhere that it can go gather it so that it can speak it or video it or whatever, it's mm -hmm. not going to tell the real story. And I think somewhere in our hearts, we have a little tuning fork that determines whether or not that's authentic and real. And because people have so much data now, mm -hmm. and I know you, you can do this, I can do it. When somebody sends me a text message, I can place tonality into that text message very easily. It's written words, man. Sure. But where a comma goes, um, all capital letters, exclamation points, um, sure. long run on sentence, all sorts of ways tell me the mood that person's in. Right. And what I'm here to tell people is use the tools, just like you're doing. You're using tools to not only benefit you and your family financially, but now you're helping a lot of other people do it. Use the tools. Don't be a tool. Well said. And, and, and so anyway, I want to get you back on the show sometime. Um, I'd like to have a more in-depth conversation maybe about maybe some things that you think are some tips that you can offer people. But in the meantime, until we do that, what is the best way for people to reach out to you? Um, on the, um, on the research and, uh, you know, the, the publishing side, it's the, it's, you go to the study trader.com. So it's www.thestudy, trader.com and the investment advisory firm. And it's a totally separate thing. That's bluemarlinadvisor.com. <laughs> I like how you say advisor. Well, because otherwise people think there's an S. There's no S. It's singular. Got you. Got you. Well, I really nice appreciate you, you being. Yeah, it's great talking to you. I appreciate you being on the show. Um, let's have some more conversations. I think there's maybe some people in my community that would love to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I love it. And we're going into an interesting period here as we get into 24. You know, we've got a world that is. Um, a little bit on fire in many yeah. ways and and um we got an election and um the economy is slowing so there's it, there's a lot of reasons to to be aware of what your portfolio is positioned in right now you know that's awesome man um so everybody go check him out the steady trader is the name of the business the steady just the website the steady yep, trader.com steady, is just a website. <laughs> SteadyTrader.com is the website. We're going to put all of his information actually in the show notes so that you can click on them and search. Thank you for taking time out of your day from Switzerland to have a conversation with all of us. I came from the mud. There's dirt on my hands. Strong like a tree. There's roots where I stand. Hey, friend. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please leave a review and subscribe to catch future casts. If you really enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it so others can benefit from it as well. I'll see you in the trenches.